You good? Yeah, I can hear it. I'm just going to pray quickly. I just want, um, dear Lord, I just want to invite the spirit into our hearts and minds in this moment. Lord, as the word spoke it out, then it just penetrate us. That just Lord, that, that we just understand fully, and we just give him full understanding that you are the light of the world, Lord. And I'm, I'm going to start reading now, Lord. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. And Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and from where I am going. Where I am going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is another. Where is your Father, they asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. And if you knew me, you would also know, who my, fa- you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but was not arrested because, this time, because his time had not yet come. Later Jesus said to them, I am going away. You will search for me, but will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. The people asked, is, this, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I am going? And Jesus continued, you are from below and I am from above. You belong to this world, I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They demanded. And Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I am a man. I am middle class. I am working class. I'm just classy. I am a professional student. I am kind of directionless. I am the light of the world. I am dedicated. I'm just trying to find a place where I can sit in the quiet. I am trying to decide what to do with the rest of my life. Yeah, I am blind, but I want to see. I feel like everything's dark around me, like like the world has no detail. I want to see the face of God, but I, I struggle to see through the haze. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Amen. Early in Jesus' ministry, when he was about 30 years old, um, he goes back to the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, and he stands up to read the Word of God, and they hand him the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he says this, it's in Luke chapter 4, you don't need to turn there, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is, op- is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight of the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then it says that he took the scroll and he handed it back to the attendant and he sat down, which in their culture meant he was getting ready to say something important. And he said, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Because he has always ever been the great I am. Isaiah was written 700 years before that moment happened. 
And he is just pulling us forward into this story. And so I am excited to be in this thing we're calling um, the seven I am's that are in the book of John. And we have this thing on the wall over here. And last week we talked about how he, I am the bread of life. That's the wheat there at the bottom. And then today we're going to look at I am the light of the world. And we're moving clockwise around to I am the door. And then I am the shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine. And I could just think of no better way to, to walk into Christmas and to thwart the darkness that this world is in than to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so it is not coincidental, although not planned by me, that today, that as you heard pray, this, this day that is often associated with darkness, we are talking about the light of the world, just how the Lord would have it, right? But one of the two things I want us to get out of the series just overarching. One is that he is the I am. He is all of those things and more that we're going to look at. And because he is the I am, you are who he says you are. Right? So we want our identity not to be lost in Christ, but to be informed and, and, and transformed by Christ. So one and and like I said earlier during the gospel moment, we want other people to see that as well. So again, in your bulletin that had all the little handouts in it, there's stuff in there that talks about what we're going to be doing during the holiday season going into Christmas. Great opportunities to already mark your calendar and be inviting people into this conversation about the I am's. Be giving them the little one is for you to hand to somebody and say, hey, I would love for you to come to church with me. Remember what I talked about last week? 80%, 80% of people today in this world that we lament is so dark, would come to church if somebody they knew and trusted would bring them. Not just invite them in passing, but actually bring them. Or say, hey, let's meet in the parking lot at 9.50 and I'll walk in with you. They're scared to come in. Because guys, it's no imagine if somebody that you vaguely knew who looked like somebody from a biker club invited you to a biker bar and said, hey, why don't you just come on over and check out my place? Would you go? No. Why? Because you're scared. Right? It's no different for the unbeliever coming into a church. I know. Trust me. I remember that. That's why we want to not just invite them to church, but bring them in to the conversation about the I am. And then the other thing that we're trying to do is help you find your identity in the I am's, not just in what the world says about be who you want to be, you be you, but who does he say you are? And, and, and we put this in your bulletin again because we want you to use these to give to people to say, hey, I, I'm wondering why you feel this way about who you are. Can I tell you about the one who really knows you and has defined you? And there's a list of things that you, can, that you can help use, not only to define your own identity in Christ, but help other people find their identity in Christ as well. So I, as we, last week we talked about how I am the bread of life. And we looked at because he is the I am bread of life, we can be, we are eternally sustained. Like he is the spiritual food that is going to take us into eternity. Today we're going to be looking at I am the light of the world. And before we actually jump into the message, I want to just ask a question. What does it feel like to be lost in the dark? What is it? I'm asking. That's the first table, that's the first talking points question on your on the back of your handout. What does it feel like to be lost in the dark? Okay, no hope. Scared. That's a good one. Lonely. Paralyzing, lost, 
Because if, I mean, if you, and I'm even like, I love that you guys all go right to the spiritual stuff, which is good. But let's just talk like physically. What's it like if you're like out in the woods and it's pitch black and you're lost? Like, um, what does that feel like? It's annoying. Okay. Right. I remember a few years ago, and I can't remember how long ago it was. Some of you may remember, but I woke up in the middle of the night. I mean, it was only about four or five years ago, so it wasn't that long ago. I woke up in the middle of the night, and our bedroom was pitch black. I mean, like, because you know, you don't realize like how much ambient light there is in your house. Everything from light coming through the windows for the street lights, etc. But I mean, I woke up, and I remember because I wake up about every hour when I sleep, and I woke up, and I'm like, okay, this is new. Because it was pitch black. I mean, like, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And I thought, okay, first I thought, did I die? <laughs> but then it wouldn't be dark. It would be light. So that, I mean, yeah, so that's not it. So I, so I go to get up, and I didn't, you know, me, Mr. Not Prepared, I don't have a, a flashlight near my bed. I, don't have my, I didn't have my phone near my bed. I didn't have anything near my bed. So I get out of, out of bed in the house that we've lived in at that point for 20 years, that is never, and our bedroom has never been any day, and I'm doing one of these things. Like, trying to find my way to the window to see what's going on. I open up the curtain, and I cannot find, I, we're on a two-story house, I cannot see a light anywhere. I'm like, okay, that's weird. So I find my way in the hallway, and I check on the girls, and, and yeah, they're, they, they're still snoozing, so I'm like, all right, I don't want to wake them up. Carrie's snoring, so I don't want to wake her up. <laughs> Not that she does that. And I... Um, and so I go, I go down the stairs, holding the rail, I go down the stairs, I find where my phone is, I turn my phone on, no service. Like, it's just like, it comes on, but there's no bars, no nothing. I'm like, okay, so terrorist attack. Like, I mean, I, and the whole time, I'm just getting more and more and more nervous. I look out the front door. There's no light anywhere. Turns out, apparently, what, so, I, so, I, so I go back upstairs. I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do about it now. I'm like, you know, do I, do I try to find our little radio and see if, like, so we're under attack? Or what? I'm like, you know what? Either way, the Lord's got this, one. And two, there's nothing I can do about it for my little bedroom. So I may as well go back upstairs. So I lay there for like three hours <laughs> in the pitch black. And I'm, and I'm just praying. Pray, like one half of my brain is praying. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. In prayer and supplication, present your request to the Lord. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And then the other half of my brain is going, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Anybody can relate to that? I mean, I'm probably having a full-blown anxiety attack as my wife is still snoring, as the girls are still sleeping. And, and I'm just getting to sleep. And all of a sudden I hear this, and all the electricity comes back on and the house lights back up. And it turned out that somebody had hit some transformer or something and for like, a five, for like three hours, five square miles of this area of town was just completely blacked out. But to me, I just remember like, I remember thinking in that moment, like that was terrifying to me for all kinds of reasons. Some as small as not finding my way in my bedroom and some as big as, oh my, what has just happened in the world? right? That's the world we live in apart from Christ, guys. Whether they know it, whether they even know it or acknowledge it or not, everyone who is not in Christ, who has not seen the light of Christ, is living in that reality. And all of the bad, bad behavior that we see happening around us is just ways of masking and medicating that fear. That's it. So if we don't understand, this is where the world is coming from. And then how do we engage them with the light of the gospel? The best news that has ever been shared, that Jesus Christ loves and pursues them. Guys, if we don't see them as, as that fearful person, 
What we do is we gain animosity and hatred towards them. And, and there is no place in the body of Christ for that. So, if you open up your Bibles to our passage today, you should have already read it. Um, that's all introduction. Um, if you look at, um, we're in John chapter 8, and we're talking about being the light of the world. And today's message is, I'm the light of the world. It comes from John 8, 12, the first verse. We haven't even gotten to the first point yet. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Guys, he has always ever been the light. We've taught about this a ton at Cross Train. Do you remember in Genesis chapter chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, day 1, God creates the light. When does he create the sun, the moon, and the stars? Day 4. So for at least three of those days, Jesus is the light. How do we know it's Jesus? Because at the end of the book, in Revelation 21, when the new heaven and the new earth and the new creation are made, it says that there will be no need for the sun, and the moon, and the stars, because God himself will be the light, and the lamp will be the Lamb. He is the light from beginning to end. He has only ever always been the light. He is the great I am who takes away the sins of the world. Guys, but here's the beautiful part of the gospel. Because of what he's done through the cross, he's made us the light. Keep your finger in John. Turn really quick to Matthew chapter 5. I was just going to put it up on the screen. It may still come up on the screen. But, but I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 so you can mark your Bible with the words, This is me. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14. So it's just to the left of where we are in John. Matthew 5 and verse 14. It says, well, I'll start in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its taste, how shall it be saltless? How shall the saltlessness be restored? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown and trampled out. Stay salty, people. Right? All that praying that we were just doing even towards the very end of the prayer time. Stay salty. But we're going to see today what salty looks like. And salty does not look caustic. And unfortunately, Christianity has become way too caustic in our country. Okay, in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set high on the hills cannot be hidden. Guys, does he say you will become the light of the world? Does he say you might be the light of the world? He says you are. Whether you think you are or not, if you are in Christ, you are the light of the world. Write down in your Bible, this is me. It just is. Not because of you. Not because of how you feel about it. Man, praise the Lord, he doesn't leave it up to how we feel about it. He says, we are the light of the world. Do, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. So we're going to see a beautiful picture of that in God's house in our passage. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before man, others, so that, here it is, this is why we've got to get, part of why we don't share the gospel, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons, and we're going to go into those in, in this new stuff we're going to be um, laying out in January, but one of the big reasons is we just got to get over ourselves. Guys, the enemy, because of shame and doubt, has got us believing, who are you to tell these people how to live? Who are you? You're the light! You just are. Right, if not you... Who? If not now, when? I, we, we have got to get over ourselves. Guys, God's people have always been the light. It is the passage that was also prayed for in Isaiah 42. You will be a light to the nations. Jesus is just saying, guys, you are my people. You are the light. We need to get over ourselves. But guys, we have got to understand something. 
We fight the darkness with the light. The enemy has us, the church, fighting darkness with darkness. Why? Because he knows it won't work. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. If, if you are responding in anger or angst or mockery or sarcasm or bitterness... If you're any of those things, if you're responding, whether it be in conversations, because even in conversations you're having with your sweet sister in Christ or your sweet brother in Christ about all the problems that you see going on at work or at, at school or wherever, because if you're doing that in, in any of those things, anger and angst and, and all, you are, hear this, everybody hear this. You are not just a tool, you are a pawn of the enemy. Guys, when we, when we post stuff on our social media that is in any way caustic, you are a pawn of Satan, and you have got to see it that way. Got to. We fight the darkness with light, the love and light of the gospel. Guys, we fight. I'm not negating anything. We just spent the first hour of our service talking. We are in a fight, but the weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And divinely powerful means they're good because he's good. I don't know which little kids prayed that so beautifully, but man, that was awesome. He's a good God, and he, our weapons are good weapons. So lead with love. Extend grace. We've got to get over this negativism in the church. It is not only not winning, it's losing, and it's winning for the prince of darkness. It just is. Guys, if you don't believe me, I just, just, just forget. If you're sitting here right now, you're going, oh, here, here goes Doug again about his, his politics and we're too whatever. I'm, be, guys, run for office. Please, I'm not even kidding. Run for office. I would love it if one of you would become the governor of the state of Arizona. I would. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but, do, but when you run, be Jesus. Right? And Jesus would not mock his opponent into submission. Jesus would not respond in anger over the, the lies that are being spewed. Why? Guys, just if, if you don't believe any of that, just stop listening to what I'm talking about today because you're not going to hear it anyway. And just read Galatians 5. And you tell me, the deeds of the flesh are evident. They are lying, deceit, anger, malice, gossip, and on and on and on. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Guys, which one is it? You are either fleshing out or you're in the Spirit. There is no middle ground. So I want you to ask yourself, how much am I conversating as we talk about being the light of the world? And whether we know, the question today is, how do you know if you're living in the light? How do you know if you're living in the light? And, and guys, here's the answer to that. Here's what you need to ask yourself. How much of my conversation, even within my own head, even with the people I'm arguing with on the television, even with the stuff I'm posting on social media, how much of that could be best described by the deeds of the flesh and how much of that could be best described by the fruit of the Spirit? And you are either a pawn of Satan or you are the light of the world. That's it. There's no other option. And we are way behind. So let's keep going. So we're going to be looking at how do we know we're living in the light? Here's how we know. Our life makes claims on, of another reality unseen by those lost in the dark. So if you would, 
turn back, turn, turn to, or I think I left you there actually. Uh, look at John chapter 8, and I'm going to start in verse 13 with our first point. So how do we know we're living in the light? Your life makes claims that bear witness. Look at what he says in verse 13, or what the word says. It says, so the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. That's a cultural argument they're making that one person could not have a testimony on their own. So Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where you came from, and you, and, and, or you do not know where I came from, or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judges, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law is written the testimony of two people. So now he's counteracting their cultural argument by two or more witnesses. He says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Guys, here's what he's saying. My life has already borne witness of who I am. I fed you. Remember we talked about this last week? Why they walk all the way around the Sea of Galilee? Because they wanted another Lunchable. They wanted a free lunch. So he's saying, I have not only fed you, I have healed lepers, I have made the lame. Guys, turn if you would. I'm just going to take the time because you know what? It's God's time. Turn if you would to, to, to Isaiah chapter 9. Turn, turn if you would. Thank, thank you, Adam. And since you have little kids, I'll, 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 I'll respect that. Most people that say don't worry about the time don't have kids. So I appreciate that. Guys, in in, I'm just, trying to make, I'm just trying to make sense in my brain here where we want to be. So, in Isaiah chapter 9, he says this. I'm starting in verse 1. But there will be no room for her in the, in, who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Do you remember where does Jesus say he's from? Right? Nazareth, the Sea of Galilee. This, remember, Isaiah's written 700 years before any of that even happened. Now look what he says. The people who walked in darkness will see a great light. Those who dwelt in the land, a deep darkness on them, have dwelled in the land of the deep darkness, on them a light has shone. So here's what's happening. Now keep that mark there because we're going to come back to it in a minute. But here's what's happening. Jesus is pulling us forward into the story to say, guys, my life has already testified not only through miracles, but through the promises of God. This was a prophecy Isaiah wrote 700 years before Christ, and he's saying, my life has testified to this promise being fulfilled. Now turn back to John, keep your finger in, or, or keep a mark in um, Isaiah 9, because we're going to come back to it, Lord willing, but look at John, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to look at our second talking point question, I want to give you guys a minute to talk about this. I want you, here's what I want you to think about. Think about the people... Remember, this is on your handout. It's also on the screen. Think about the people whose faith walk you admire or, or that you would like to emulate. What is it about their lives that seems attractive? 
What are some of the words that come to mind when you describe their witness? So I want you to take a couple of minutes, and I want you to turn to the people you're sitting next to. If you've got to move a chair or something, I don't care. But I want you to take a couple of minutes and ask, ask the question. So think about, first of all, just stop and think about who are some people who, it could be people you know personally. It could be just people that, you, um, that you've read about. I want you to stay away from Bible characters just because those are easy. Right? And I want you to think about who are some people whose faith you admired and what is it about them that you admired? Go. So tell me some, just, just I, you don't have to nominate a spokesperson, just shout out some, um, we're family, we're having a family discussion. Shout, what are some characteristics? Of the people, if it's somebody famous or somebody that everybody would know, you can even say their name and just say, like, what are, what are one or two words that describe their life? Humility. So, humility. Okay, that's one. So, people, people that you look at, you faith admire, humility. Fearless. Fearless. Loyalty. Consistency. Loyalty. Loyalty. What was that, Chris? Bold. Bold. Disciplined. Disciplined. Steadfast. Steadfast. Confidence in God. Joyful. Guys, do you hear like how, like how life-giving all of those words are? Like how positive, how light-bringing all of those words are? Like, like those are the people we want to admire, that we ought to admire. Those are the people that naturally when you look and you go, man, I want the faith of that person. Right? They're people that, that, that are being described. Like as, as I was writing, you know, I was thinking to myself, okay, there's the George Mueller's and there's the Charles Spurgeon's. And, and as I was meeting with our elder advisor, Tony Custis, who's 94 years old, I was meeting with him on Thursday and I wrote his name down. He was telling me a story about how he grew up in the town that Al Capone was from and lived in. So the, during a time when Al Capone was still a thing, like, I mean, he's 94. So you'd imagine like the, like the mafia was a thing and, and he was Czechoslovakian Tony Custis, and obviously Al Capone's crew is not, right? And yet he, the story he was telling me was about how his dad, after his dad came to faith in Christ, he would go out literally on a soapbox. I'm like, yeah, there's my soapbox. Literally on a soapbox and preach the gospel. Tony was eight years old to all of these Italians. And he would bring Tony with him and then as the people would respond to the gospel, Tony was supposed to go up and tell them the good news and pray for them. As an eight-year-old, now here's what's cool about it. I, 90 years later, 92 years later, guess what Tony Cusdis is doing this afternoon in his retirement facility full of a whole bunch of 100-year-old people? Guess what he's doing? He, well, he doesn't have the soapbox, so he'd probably fall off because he has a walker. He, he preaches the gospel every Sunday afternoon to a group of people in his retirement center. And he has not stopped. Guys, that is the kind of faith I want to, man, I, I want to be him. You know, and, and so I just thought, man, what a, what a beautiful example of, of our heritage spiritually, generational faithfulness. And so guys, we, we have got to retweak what we think of as being successful or strong and, and start looking at it from the lens of Scripture. What does it look like to really be a person, a man or woman, a son or daughter of, that is faithful, 
that, that walks out our faith, that is the light. So how do you know if you're living in the light? Well, the first thing is your, your, your life bears witness, like Christ did, of another reality. So that's our second point. Let's pick it up in verse 19. He says, They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Remember, he's having this debate about witnesses, and he's like, my, my life is a witness. And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. He said, so he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sins. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? Guys, understand this about what's happening here. At this moment in the lives of the listener, Jesus is speaking a foreign language. Right? What, what do they do? Not literally, but spiritually. They do not have a clue. Like last week when he talked about drink your, or eat your flesh and drink your blood, and, and most of his disciples walked away, and Peter's one, the one who said, hey, where else am I going to go? You have the words of life. He's speaking in ways that they're like, man, I don't get this. Why? Because Ephesians 1.18, the spiritual eyes of their heart have not been enlightened yet. So what are they doing? They're making a plausible answer for his statement. They're saying, what, is he going to commit suicide? They're not mocking him. They're genuinely just going, we do not know what he's talking about. we got to figure this out. Guys, why do I say, why do I bring that up? Because that's the condition of the world. Right? Apart from the Holy Spirit enlightening the spiritual eyes of our heart, we have to find ways of cracking by the power of the Spirit. He's the only one who can crack open a heart. But we have to find ways to be used by the Spirit to speak words of light and life into people in a way that will help them understand it. Because all of the stuff that we see happening in our world and how our culture is, is racing to hell, like literally, so I'll use the word because that's literally where they're going, right? Is because they're trying to find a plausible alternative to the gospel. And when you leave it to us to come up with plausible alternatives, it never ends well. So what we have to do is help them see the truth. Guys, we have to help them see who, remember, God, sin, Christ, response. We have to help them see Jesus. The way John, so this whole, this whole light discussion, I am the light of the world, where does John start talking about that? Verse, yeah, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And everything that has come into being is coming into being through Him. And nothing that has come into being is coming into being apart from Him. And then what does the very next verse, verses 4 and 5 of John 1 say? In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not... Now, your, our translations will say overcome it, but what it really means is overcome it intellectually. That's why some translations will say comprehend it. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It is The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is eternal life, Paul tells us. Why? What, why don't they see? Why don't these people see? Why don't those people see? Because the God of this world has darkened the mind of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing. Seeing what? The light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4. 
Guys, the reason people don't understand is because they can't. But we're here to translate. So is your life bearing witness to some other reality? So that at the very least, they might ask the question, why are you different? Like, why aren't you freaking out? Why aren't you so angry? Why aren't you, why aren't you behaving like everyone else is behaving? And then you can go, hey, I'm glad you asked. Right? That's what I mean by pointing to another reality. I do want to point out one other thing, because it's just such a powerful scene, and I, and I, and I know we don't have time, but it's, it's, it's just really a cool thing. In verse 20, when there's this little, John just throws in this little thing about, uh, he, he said this in the treasury at the temple, right? Well, here's what's interesting about the Gospel of John. John chapter 7, Jesus is teaching in the temple, right? I'm, I'm not going to have you turn back there. We were going to look at all that, but I'm not going to have you turn there. And then all of a sudden, the narrative picks back up in verse 12. Do you know why? Because John 8, 1 through 11, is a lot of our translations, like the ESV, puts brackets around it. Why are the brackets there? So this is helping you be a student of the Bible. It's training you to teach God's truth. Why are the brackets in your Bible when you see a bracket? Because it wasn't in all or some of the manuscripts. So the people that were translating this version said, hey, we, we, we believe the story is true. We believe it actually happened, but we don't necessarily believe it happened right here. So we're going to put brackets around it so the reader understands that there might be something unique about this little piece of scripture. So that's the scene where, he's, um, where the woman is caught in, caught in adultery. Beautiful scene, absolutely conveys the heart of Jesus. Nothing, deter, no, nothing is deterring like the sufficiency and the, the, um, the accuracy of Scripture. It just may not be right, may not have happened in this time frame. Okay, why does that matter for the light, Doug? And, and, and I'm hungry and i got to go. Here's why. I'm not hungry, but you're hungry. Because um, I've been feeding on the bread of life. And so, <laughs> hey... <laughs> At least, you're, at least you're paying attention. So here's why. If you, if you were to read John from the end of chapter 7 to the start of chapter 12, uh, 8, which is 8-12, you'll see the narrative just continues. Here's why that matters. Because it says in John 7 that, that he's teaching these things on the last day of the feast. It's John 7, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day Jesus tried... Um, Jesus taught them these things. And, you just keep, and he just kept on teaching right through chapter 8. Here's why that matters. The feast was the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, the Feast of Booths. It was, to, it was to commemorate God's people wandering in the wilderness as the pillar of fire lit the way all night long. But here's what the Jewish people would do to commemorate that during the Feast of Booths. Every night during this week of feasts, they had these giant, there are pictures for this, I'm not sure why they're not coming up, but there's pictures, they, they have these, next one, they have these giant candelabras that they would put in the courtyard where Jesus was teaching, the court of treasury, and these, these things were so massive, the wicks of them were not like that little thing, the wicks of them were made from the robes of the priests, these were big candles, right, in fact, a commentator that I read about, and they would light those every single night. A commentator that I read, he said that the, that the glow from those lampstands would not only light up the temple, it would light up the entire city of Jerusalem. Now, you've got to remember, no street lights. I mean, this was, totally, like, this, was, this was that when I woke up in the middle of the night went, I don't know where I am right now. This that kind of dark there, except on this week. But guess what? On the last day of the feast, guess what they didn't do? They didn't light the lamps. He's teaching this thing. I mean, Jesus was... 
he was Jesus, but he was a master teacher. He's standing in the dark because the candles are not lit. After, after days of basking in the glow, he is standing in the dark. People are probably a little unnerved after, like, okay, now we've got to go back to living in the dark. And he says to them, hey, I'm the light of the world. Not those candles. Not that pillar of fire that led, led, led them through the wilderness. Not the manna that fed you in the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He is telling them there is a whole nother. He's, he's trying to pull them and us out of the physical. Get your eyes off of what you can see and get them onto what you can't see. Because what you can see is temporal. What you can't see is eternal, Paul tells us. So he's saying, so, so come walk in this eternality. So how do you know that you're living in, in the light? One, your life makes claims or bears witness of another reality that is unseen by the lost, those lost in the dark. We have two more verses, or three more verses we're going to cover very quickly. He says to them in verse 23, He said to them, You are from below and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Do you see the two realities he's talking about? He's talking about, you are of the physical. I am of the spiritual. There are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world that is being currently ruled by the prince of darkness. And there's the kingdom of God that is just as real. In fact, more real. And it is ruled by God and Jesus Christ. And, and he punched a hole in that kingdom the first time he came and, and made us born again kingdom people. So that we are now like one foot in one kingdom and one foot in the other. We are still physical, but we are also spiritual. But the, the world that doesn't know the light of the world is all physical. He's saying, you're of the physical world. I'm of the spiritual world. I, and then he says, I told you that you would die in your sins. Now get this. But unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. What in the world does he mean that I am he? That I'm who? That I am the I am. That I am the ego ami. Ego was just that I am me. Ami was I am. So he's saying, I am the I am. Unless you believe that I am the I am, that all of this has ever only ever been about, guys, you will die in your sins. So they said, who are you? And Jesus said, and I love the way the New Living that Christian read translated it. He says, who are you? And he says, I am the one I have always claimed to be. Remember back in Luke 4, like when I first started teaching up here 40 minutes ago? He opens up the scroll and he says, here's the I am being prophesied. That's me. He's like, I've been, I've been saying it to you. For, this is year, a few years later. He's like, I've been saying it to you from the beginning. So why don't people believe? The answer is Satan. Right? The answer is that the God of this world has darkened the mind of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the light, and we are the light they need to see. Like, his light in us. We are the light, Matthew 5. And, and that is the light that people see, need to see. So, so we're going to finish our time and go into our time of response. Go back to Isaiah 9. I had told you to, to leave a mark there. Go back to Isaiah 9. I want us to just take a minute and, and prepare our hearts so do you remember what he said in verse 2 of Isaiah 9? The people who walk in darkness have seen a light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. Guys, when do we read Isaiah 9? Often. Christmas. This is walking us right into Christmas by design. Now, now jump to verse 6 for the sake of time. 
For a child has been born to us and a son given to us, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. On the increase of his government, his kingdom, his timetable, and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness for this time forth forevermore. How's that going to happen? Because the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Guys, that baby we're going to celebrate in a, month, in a couple of months that was born in a major is the I am, right? We, we, have, we have got to move Christmas past this fun little whatever. Of, I mean, I, I love it too. And I'm, I told the girls, I'm going to start listening to Christmas music tomorrow. But they vetoed me. But, I, but we have got to get past, like guys, Christmas is celebrating the coming of, of the I am, not just the coming of a baby born in a manger. And we have got to remember that we are the light. Guys, remember in verse 12 of John 8, don't turn back there, but just, he says, I am the light of the world. Those who are in me will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. As the music team comes up, and we're going to have the trays go around for communion, and, and I'll come back up and lead us through our time of, um, through our time of communion. I I want to ask you to prepare your hearts to receive the light. Like, are, are you tired of living in the dark? What does it feel like to live in the dark? It's scary. It's unnerving. It's frustrating. Because even those of us who have had our eyes, in our, the spiritual eyes of our heart enlightened, they grow dim. Like we are leaky people. I know I'm confusing metaphors, but we are, we are we're leaky people. So what's it going to take for you to get serious about living in the light? You guys can go around and start passing out the trays. Because what's it going to take for you for us to like fully embrace the gospel, to fully embrace grace. Because I, 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 if, if, if you would, and again, you don't have to, but if you would just close your eyes. I know you got to keep one eye open for the trays, but that's okay. Close your eyes. You can put your hand, you can hold the cup if you want. You can just put your hands out if you want to receive. And I just want to share some good news with you. God is not against you. Do you believe that? Because I, I get that a lot of you walked in here this morning exhausted. A lot of us walked in here just beat down. guys in this world for us to it's easy for us to say my God my God why have you forsaken me but but not thy will but thy will not my will but thy will be done 
here's the good news. God is not against you. Comma. He is for you. God, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, He is for you. The cross proves it, guys. proves it. Father, I thank you for that truth. I thank you for the truth that you are never against us, that you are always for us. That your grace and your mercy pursues us. And that you use us that story. Lord, I pray that we would be quick to tell it to ourselves. That we would be quick to tell it to each other in the family of God and that we would be quick to share it with the world. You are the light of the world. And you will not be extinguished. Jesus' name.